You're listening to The Jazz Session with Jason Crane. Since 2007, the original jazz interview podcast. Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 509 for February 5th, 2020. On today's show, drummer Jerome Jennings. For the third and probably final time, let me remind you that Owen and I are moving to Tucson at the end of February, which is a really big move for us, obviously geographically, from Pennsylvania, but also in terms of re-envisioning our lives. And for me... That vision includes the jazz session finally becoming financially sustainable, which does seem like a little bit longer coming than it probably should have been. It's been 13 years, more than 500 episodes, and it's time now for this show to just become the thing that I do. However, that's only possible if you decide to help. You can become a member today for 5 or 10 bucks a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. My sincere thanks to jazz journalist Richard Shannon for becoming the latest member. You can hear Richard on a recent bonus episode at the $10 level. Drummer Jerome Jennings has a new album out called Solidarity. This conversation you're about to hear is just one of my all-time faves on the jazz session. I really, really loved getting a chance to talk to him. And the album that we're talking about, in addition to, I think, being socially significant, is also just a kick-ass album, musically speaking. Here's the opening track, which is called Bebop. Jennings, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm happy to be here. I, I'm super yeah. happy to have you here. Whenever uh, I get, uh, I'm a, I was a union organizer for a lot of my life, and so when I get a record whose title is Solidarity, it, it I mean, it talk about rising to the top of the pile quickly. It, uh, it immediately shot to the very top, and then when I saw what the subject matter was about, I just immediately uh, fell in love with it. It's a, it's an outstanding album, both musically and in terms of you know using your powers for good, um, having having something to say in addition to the music. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations on a, a really brilliant record. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you checking it out, and I do appreciate the sentiment. You know, get, getting any type of recognition for your work is well appreciated, and I, I thank you for that. Thanks. 
Will you talk about uh, the focus of this album, which is primarily the experiences of African-American women and how you decided to, to make that the, the centerpiece of Solidarity? I've been doing a lot of research and study and reading and coming to, under, to understand that the most vulnerable people in our society are the ones who keep our feet to the fire in terms of our humanity and how we treat everyone as a whole. When I think about African-American women in our society, black women, women of color in our society, I think of people who are ignored. I did research and, and read a bit about the feminist movement of the late 1800s. All roads kind of led to where we are right now with the LGBTQ plus community, what they're asking for and their needs. And it all became a, a learning experience for me learning about people like Audre Lorde, people like Tony Kaye Bambara, reading her works, uh, The Black Woman, just hearing hearing their stories um, was, was something that moved me to write music and to just better understand. And also my wife, she had a humongous role in, you know, me, me, me getting the information. Of course, she didn't. She didn't read the information or do the work. I had to do the work, <laughs> but she happens to be an African American woman. So to see their side of things was an eye-opening learning experience and a painful one as well. And I wanted to write music to express my solidarity with them and with other vulnerable communities like the LGBTQ plus community. want to get in particular uh, just because of its personal resonance for me to Marsha P. Johnson in just a moment but first uh, the, yes. the, before I heard this record I saw the video that you made for Convo with Senator Flowers and uh, before we talk about that I just want to play people a little excerpt from that and so here it is I'll be as quick as I can as quick as it takes to kill somebody I guess you want me to be that quick. But, you know, as uh, Miss Fletcher pointed out, and it doesn't take much to look on the local news every night and see how many black kids, black boys, black men are being killed with these stand-your-ground defenses that these people raised, and they get off. So I take issue with that. I'm the only person here of color, okay? And I care as much for my son as y'all care for y'all. 
so that's an excerpt of Convo with Senator Flowers, and I, I can't recommend highly enough, folks. Well, f- the easiest way to hear it is to buy the album, but you can also go on YouTube, uh, and there'll be a link in the show notes so you can see the video. How did you come to be aware of this speech, and how did you get the idea for the uh, accompaniment of the speech? It's just it's a it's a brilliant piece of music making and an incredibly powerful thing, I think. Well, thank you, Jason. There was a video that went viral online on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. It just went viral. Just I saw this video in March of 2019, and the courage that this woman had speaking about stand your ground laws. And I was in awe. You know, I feel like anytime an African-American or in anybody in any type of, of position of power sticks their neck out for vulnerable people, they're superheroes in my mind because they're risking it all. And they, immediate, they immediately become heroes within that uh, vulnerable community, right? Because you're taking a chance. You're, you're, you're risking your livelihood. You're risking your popularity. You know, I, I wanted to be there with her. You know, I wanted to be there with, with Senator Flowers. I wanted to be there with her. So when I heard her speak and I I heard the rhythm in her voice, I heard the 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 expression, I heard the just the rawness and the complete abandon of decor. What she was speaking to was more important than being uh, uh, politically correct. <laughs> and I I, I, I I was one with that and I wanted to be there and stand with her in solidarity she actually reached out she, enjo- she enjoyed the piece she uh, she mentioned to me that she actually cried we've been in touch that piece I had to put on the recording I wanted to, I, 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 just, I had to put it on the recording and there you have it combo with Senator Flowers I, put, I placed myself in that courtroom or in not, not the courtroom but the, the, the Senate house with her And just to provide a little context for folks who haven't seen the video, she, as you say, she's in the the Arkansas, so first of all, the Arkansas State Senate Chamber, and right. then she's in a room full of white men, um, yes. and when, as, as people will hear, when she's given the microphone, it's almost reluctantly, and she's asked to speak briefly, and there's such a, just a minimizing of of her as the as the one person who can speak from a place of the valid experience of people of color she's essentially asked to you know just quietly say her piece and get off the stage and so the fact that in a room full of white men none of whom appear in any way to be friendly or even in any way to be resonating with what she's saying the fact that she then takes the time to do that i think is 
is that much more powerful. I mean, she there's she can't look to a friendly face in this. In That's this right. And, and you know what's interesting, Jason? I have an archivist who sent me the the entire meeting, the entire debate, the the entire Senate debate, and it's seven hours long. I watched the entire thing. Now, if you go on YouTube, I mean, you, you're spot on because it, it, it was they were very dismissive. What they were debating was whether to have a a retreat if if they wanted to put a like a, a standard or in retreat clause inside of the stand your ground bill. As we as we know, Arkansas is an open carry state, as is Florida and Texas and, and, and others. But they, they they've adopted the law of, of stand your ground, but there's not a flight. They, 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 you, you you have the uh, if you can flight, if you can leave the situation without you know, fatally killing someone, that's what you're supposed to do or you be or you or you're charged. But they wanted to they wanted to debate and whether that should be a, a clause with inside the law or not. And she was vehement. She was consistently being cut off. She didn't think that that should even be a debate. You should have to leave the situation. You should attempt to leave the situation if you can. And I watched all. I watched about six and a half hours of this debate, and she was constantly ignored. And no, no one really paid attention to what she had to say. No one wanted to address it. What we saw was a blow up. If you if you watch the YouTube link that I the video that I've created, I actually added a little more of the actual debate leading up to her explosion. It was very important for me to show that she was being ignored and, and she wasn't being taken as serious as the other members of the Senate. So that's a great point that you made, Jason. I can feel myself as we're having this conversation. I don't – it's hard to figure out how to center the music as well as the message because the music – this album musically is also really wonderful. And not all of it Thank is you. serious. There are moments of celebration and, you know, if I can't dance, I don't want to be part of your revolution thing, which Emma Goldman probably never really said, but it's still a pretty good sentiment. That That's really <laughs> right. important. And there are real moments of joy in here. However, <laughs> I feel like so much of what I talk about on this show is just the music that's on these records, because many of them don't, they're not trying to do anything other than the music. And that is, that's perfectly fine. An album that is not about a message, obviously could stand, stand on its own. You don't, not every album has to be about a message, but when it is, and when it is as fiercely as this, I don't want to let that moment pass without saying it is possible to come to this music. It is possible to come to your role behind the drums or, you know, at the staff paper or whatever it might be and think I'm going to do more than just write music people will enjoy listening to. I'm going to use my voice to articulate other ideas. And when that happens, I think it's important enough that that's why I want to talk about it, even though we've barely mentioned the actual music on the record yet. I just really want to make the point that you're choosing to do more than that. And that to me is incredibly important, you know, maybe now more than ever, but I think it's always been very important. Uh, thank you, Jason. Yeah, it's, always, it's, it's very, it's important to me, you know, there's so much going on right now. I mean, if, if, if we wanted to write about ill happenings, uh, ill things that's going on on the planet, socially or environmentally, man, I mean, pick, pick your poison. There's so much going on, and I understand if, if people don't don't want to, you know, don't want to use their their platform for for change. I I, I get it, and I'm 
I don't re- I don't hold my breath um, expecting others to do it at this point. You know, I got to do what I have to do to try to make the world a little better. And if and, and my platform happens to be music, you know, entertainment. And I I wanted to I wanted to use my platform my first two recordings to do, to deal with that. And and this one specifically standing in solidarity with with, with the LGBTQ community plus community and, and, and women of color. Let's take a quick break to remind you that the Jazz Session really is the first and oldest jazz interview podcast. It started back when very few people knew what a podcast was, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, and most folks thought you needed an iPod to listen to a show like this. It's been 13 years, the dinosaurs are gone, but the show is still here. I'd like, however, to be able to do a lot more than I'm able to do now. More in-person interviews, more festival coverage, more travel. And that is possible only if you decide that you value this show enough to support it. I think almost everybody listening to my voice right now could afford five or ten bucks a month to become a member. And I know that almost everybody listening to my voice right now hasn't done it yet. So if you could make the other choice, that would be fabulous. You'll get bonus episodes, early access to every show, and more. Thanks for being here all these years. Please become part of the next 13 years by becoming a member. Thanks. This album would not be able to do all the things it does if it weren't for the people who are on it. And I want to make sure we mention them because, I mean, it's just, it's the cream of the crop. So will you talk yeah, about who yeah. uh, joins you on this record? Yeah. So uh, let's start with the rhythm section. Zakai Curtis is, is playing piano. And he's playing a lot of piano. Yeah, he's playing a pile of piano. <laughs> I, I, you know, we got together and, man, he was all, he was all on board. And I, I appreciate his support and professionalism and, and amazing playing. Um, man, I mean, I to pick a track, man. He's playing his, he's playing butt off. You know, I appreciate him. Of course, Christian McBride, he's been in my corner from our meeting, the day one of our meeting or maybe day two. He, he called upon me to, pay in, to play in his trio, which was humongous shoes to fill, um, replacing Ulysses Owens. I mean, we've been buddies ever since. We have such a connection, music and beyond. Carlos Maldonado, he played congas on Marielle from Marielle Franco. He did an excellent job, a fantastic job. I, I, I performed with him. We played together in Popo Vasquez Band, which is fantastic. She's doing traditional, more traditional, bomba, Puerto Rican music. India Owens, she played two tracks, Reese's Lament, um, on bass, bassist, uh, India Owens. And I have her on a duet with McBride on You Are Never Far Away From Me. The horns, I have Josh Evans, fantastic trumpet player. Stacey Dillard, 
amazing soprano sound, tenor player. He did a fantastic job. Andre Murchison, he's playing trombone. Uh, Tia Fuller has been, she's been an amazing force in supporting me through this journey. I talk, I spoke with her a year before even uh, recording this, this record. Um, and she was supportive and she, you know, I, I was, I was a little skeptical because Jason, this was a learning experience for me and I didn't know how it would be perceived from my musicians. Yeah. She gave me a lot of great advice and support. So big shout out to her. I, I, I wanted her on a few tracks and she played on um, Mary L.A. for Mary L.A. Franco, soprano. And she played alto on uh, I Love Your Smile along with flute. And Camille Thurman, a fantastic friend of mine. She's an amazing singer, vocalist, and tenor player, or multi-read player. She's on I Love Your Smile singing vocals, and I have her on tenor um, on Pay It No Mind. She has a she plays parts and has a has a small window to blow a little at the end. And my brother, he, he hung out and I, I got him on some percussion, AJ Jennings on uh, I Love Your Smile. So uh, additional percussion. So it, it was a family affair to say the least. <laughs> these guys, they, they, yeah, these, these women and, and, and guys really, uh, they really showed out for me and they made my music pop. And I, you know, I appreciated it. Some of this music wasn't easy uh, to interpret or to, to uh, execute and, and they did a fantastic job and I, I appreciate them for, you know, taking the music serious and, and, and taking it to that next level. So when I first listen to this record, I do what I always do uh, as, and regular listeners of this show are tired of hearing me say this, but I, uh, I always listen to <laughs> records without, I don't read the song titles. I don't read the press release. I don't, I just put the record on and listen to it and just hear what happens. And so I didn't know that I love your smile was on this. And when <laughs> I love your smile starts, it is such it's so perfect. It's like because you've you've kind of been there's a lot of things have happened before it on the record. And right before it is the title track Solidarity. So of course I knew the title of the album and so my mind was kind of in a particular space, you know, thinking about what that might mean. And then this just bright, beautiful, classic song that as soon as it starts everybody will recognize it and you know, you just you can't help but smile along with it. It's such a reminder, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. It's such a reminder that you've you got to have the joy and the laughter and the dancing and everything right in there. Absolutely. Otherwise, Absolutely. you just can't keep going. gotta have space for that you mentioned to me that you you're you're a part of unions i mean we have to fight for our rights and what we need 
you have to let the powers be know what we want, what we desire, which is usually the same things that, that they want, <laughs> you know. But inside of that fight, you know, you also have to have space to have fun, you know, to 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 enjoy life, to 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 sit back, you know, cross your legs, <laughs> to put on some music, and breathe. You know, and and allow some type of good feeling to seep in to the hardships of everyday life. You know, that's what that tune was about. And you hit the nail on the head, Jason. I want to talk about how this album starts. It starts um, with a tune called Bebop. And uh, so just to lay my cards on the table, I'm a giant nerd and I'm a big Doctor Who fan. And when I was listening to Bebop, I thought this is like if the TARDIS had set down on 52nd Street, and taken Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker to the 21st century. This to me is like what that might have sounded like because your your drum part your drum part is brilliant on this because it alternates between like right now and back then in this amazing way that I just you know it just made me smile the whole song through. So I just I wanted to ask you about Bebop, how the idea came and how particularly how the idea for the drums came because they I mean this song absolutely lives and dies you know on the drums and its whole character is made by the way you play the drums on this I'm playing well first of all let me let me nerd out for, for, for maybe 20 seconds on drum on on drumming okay quote unquote bebop drumming it's a very challenging uh, art form where you have to completely as art Blakey say separate your limbs from each other but still be grooving in the ride symbol so the ride symbol needs to be needs to be grooving but the other limbs they, they, they should be totally free they should be totally free for complete expression and communication so that groove that I play, the ride cymbal is in the fast time, like I, it would even be triple time. And my other limbs are in more of a half time. I heard bebop over that groove while I'm practicing it and it worked out. I mean, it, it's like a boom bap hip hop type groove in my snare and bass drum, but the cymbal is, is more so swinging. And then at Josh's solo, we just break out into the swing. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and and McBride is like a he's like a locomotive when he swings. <laughs> like either you get on or you get ran over. <laughs> that's just what it is. Uh, <laughs> Not many great. bass players who can do that.
take a quick moment now to thank the folks who make the Jazz Session possible, starting with the members who support it, and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music, and Dave Rabel for the logo. Chuck Ingersoll is the voice of the intro. Hire him to do your voiceover work at hearchucknow.com. Follow the Jazz Session on Twitter at jazzsesh, J-A-Z-Z-S-E-S-H, and on Instagram at the Jazz Session. Right now, I'm posting a photo every day at 1 p.m. from the 20-plus years of interview and concert photos I've taken. If you would take a moment right now to rate and review the Jazz Session on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, that would be fabulous. It greatly improves my ability to reach new listeners. If you'd like to stay up to date on my podcast, my poetry, and more, you can subscribe to my twice-monthly newsletter. Go to thejazzsession.com and click on the newsletter link. Now back to the show. I did want to come back uh, after a little bit of lightness and levity here. I did want to mention at least one other uh, person who is name checked on the album, and I, uh, which is Marsha P. Johnson. I'm the husband of a trans yep. activist, and okay, uh, transgender folks are uh, rarely mentioned in the jazz conversation. Um, you know, there's still a lot of kind of the you know the boys club and a, a lot of straight whiteness in, in jazz and straight blackness too, to be totally honest. Um, Absolutely. And so uh, I was really, really happy to see Marsha P. Johnson. And just for anybody who doesn't know, um, when the Stonewall riots happened, Marsha P. Johnson, who uh, trans member of the Stonewall community, was one of the main uh, folks who fought back against uh, the police oppression. And Marsha P. Johnson's name should be, as far as I'm concerned, right up there with, you know, the great heroes of freedom uh, that our country has produced. So I was super excited to see Pay It No Mind and uh, to see Marsha mentioned. And I just wanted to ask you how that came to be. Wow. Um, Well, when I started this journey, I I, I got into different feminists, people like Barbara Smith and and people like uh, Audre Lorde. I I started to check out, I, I checked out a publication called Making All Black Lives Matter by a woman named um, Barbara Ransby. And what happens is, Jason, it's very similar to when you listen to music, look at the liner notes and start to then start to figure out other great jazz recordings or other great jazz artists based off of what you what you've listened to or the liner notes. So I read Sister Outsider and um, I started getting hip to the village scene, the scene in the village in the village, that village scene of the 70s and 80s. Marja P. Johnson was a New York staple, village staple. She was an icon. I got hit to a documentary called Pay It No Mind, uh, Marja P. Johnson's story. And I watched it and I, as I watched it, I said, man, this, this woman has, she had a certain joy and a certain buoyancy about her and a certain just, just loving spirit. I'm like, why are people treating people who are trans so like wrong? What's the reason? And I and I saw a documentary called Free CC, which was um, produced by Laverne Cox. And you know, I got hip to a woman named 
Raina Gossett, who also is a transgender woman, a Latina, and I heard music to this. I wanted to write something that started with the march because in, in the uh, documentary, uh, Marjorie P. Johnson says she's, she will not march, she will not ride in a gay parade in New, in New York. She won't ride unless all people who are gay and all people who have AIDS have this virus are, are as long as one person has to walk, she's going to walk. And she said, don't cry for me when I, when I die. Have a party. Celebrate. So I wanted to start out with the march. And then I wanted, to, I wanted the tune to be very pretty and beautiful. I wanted it to serve her how I felt in the right way and the way I see that community. You said, you mentioned that a lot of jazz musicians and a lot of musicians, like jazz and jazz doesn't really align themselves or, or even, even focus or pay attention to the trans community struggles. Well, I'll do one even better. Nobody does. Truth. Um, and particularly those who are of color. I mean, already 18 transgender women of color have been killed in, in the United States this year. We're not even in February yet. So let's think about that. And it doesn't make national news. That's a problem. That's a major problem. And maybe if some, if maybe if people get to know who, who Marja P. Johnson was, and the kind of, and the beautiful spirit that she was, maybe things will change. And I think it has to start with exposing the humanity of people and the likeness that they have, that we have, with them. You know, I think it can start with that, but also giving them, you know, allowing them to enter our spaces. Being seen is revolution. Just being seen, sometimes is revolution so i want them to be seen and that's my that's my tribute to marja p john in about the same generation i'm seven years older but it's pretty close and in yes, your yes. bio there is a line that just made me think i think we will get along which is began playing drums at the age 10 when he saw sheila e on the arsenio hall show <laughs> and the arsenio hall show <laughs> man was so important to me i still to this day have vcr tapes of bands on arsenio <laughs> I, 
I loved that show, and it had it had such great music. There were so many cool musicians who were not on any of the other late night shows who made it <laughs> on right. Arsenio. And I mean, I as a you know white kid growing up in an all white small community in upstate New York. I saw like the first hip hop acts I ever saw on Arsenio. I saw, you know, kind of soul and R&B music that I just did not hear and did not see in my community at all. So Arsenio was big for me. And, you know, I don't want to extrapolate too much from this one line in your bio, but I am curious about whether Arsenio played any kind of similar role in your life. Man, Arsenio Hall played a humongous role in my life. Okay, so understand, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Arsenio Hall is from Cleveland, Ohio. My dad, in my house, it was very, imagery was very important to him. Okay, to him and, and my, my mom, she was on board. My dad wanted us to see people on television who looked like us. Now you gotta remember, TV became pseudo popular in the 50s. A lot of people were listening to the radio in the 50s still because TV didn't really catch on in the same kind of way that it had that it caught on by the 60s and 70s 70s 80s because everybody didn't have one my dad is a, is a product of the 50s and 60s so he didn't you know television was wasn't as large for him as it was for us but when he did watch television black and white of course he didn't see anybody who looked like him on television and that was it was very important for him us growing up that we, we got an opportunity to see people, African-Americans on television, but not in the menial capacity. And that was important to him. He didn't want us to see people that he saw that was, dele- you know, that was relegated to menial jobs, shiny shoes, or, you know, porters, that kind of thing. So when Arsenio Hall broke, I believe that show, did it begin in like 87, 88? That feels right to me, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were allowed to watch that show in lieu, in lieu of going to bed. That's how important it was. Wow. You know, like you said, he would have he would have basketball players. He had Marion Barry on the show. He had politicians. He had music artists that never would have gotten on Johnny Carson or Letterman. Letterman caught on eventually. But, man, he used to have the funkiest band. Oh, yeah. And... He had a drummer named Chuck, but but he and he also a hey, Terry Lynn was on that show yep. as well. Now, when he had Sheila E on the show, the charisma that she played, oh, I was a fan anyway because of that movie Crush Groove. Yeah, where she threw the stick on the ground, it, it flew up. I mean, and she wasn't <laughs> she doesn't BS on the drum or on percussion. She actually can play. It's not just all show. It's, all, it's not all smoke and mirrors. She really can go. That, she can get down. So I saw her play, and I was about nine years old, I think, when I saw this, this show. And I was like, oh, I got to I gotta do this. I got to play some drums. I'm playing drums. And, and I was, you know, I was on that whole tip at, at a young age of if a girl can do it, I can do it too. Right. <laughs> but I saw her play on the Arsenio Hall show, and it just floored me. The charisma that she, you know, she has a fantastic book, The Beat of My Own Drum. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. She breaks down her family. She comes from from musical royalty out in the Bay. I had to play. I had to play drums. After I saw her play, I had to play. And I've seen her at least four or five times ever since. 
it's been amazing just to see her evolve. Jerome, are there chances for people to see you live coming up? Yeah, um, I'll actually be performing um, on the 15th uh, with Regina Carter at uh, Enloe Recital Hall in yeah Union, New Jersey. The 14th, I'll be at Smalls with Eddie Allen, his quintet. Other good stuff happening. Okay, I'll be playing with Eddie Allen's big band February 16th at the Lafayette Avenue uh, Presbyterian Church. On the 12th, I'll be playing with Desron Douglas in his Vibe Sessions, and that'll be on uh, the 12th of February, uh, 8.30, and that's that'll be at Drome uh, on the Lower East Side, 85 Avenue A. And there's some other good stuff coming up as well. Um, I'm, I'll be touring with, with uh, Christian Sands. I believe we're going to Thailand. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that'll be late February, like February 25th through like the 30th. And any other dates that you, if you're interested in, you can go to my website at uh, www.jeromejennings.com. You can check me out on IG. Uh, I am Jerome Jennings. Or Facebook. Or Twitter. <laughs> Ro- <laughs> yeah. Romy. That's how it is in, uh, in the year 2020. And uh, I'll have links yeah. to all those things in the show notes so uh, folks can find you. The album is called Solidarity. It's a great album to listen to, and I do want to emphasize that again, but it's also an important record. And my guest for this show has been Jerome Jennings. Jerome, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, and I, I do hope you'll come back anytime you have something you want to talk about or new music you want to share with folks. And I thank you for taking the time to do it today. Hey, Jason, thanks for your call, and, and I appreciate you you know, digging into this music, and you seem like you have a full understanding of the concept, so I appreciate that. If you value what you just heard, become a member for five or ten dollars a month at thejazzsession.com slash join. Big thanks to Jerome Jennings for being my guest this week. Next week it'll be vibraphonist Chris Dingman. Until then, support live music whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the jazz session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.